Check out my new show, Nicola Talent Presents Getting Away With Murder, live at Liberty Hall on September 20th. Brought to you by MCD. Tickets on sale at ticketmaster.ie. Parents split, difficult upbringing, poverty, physical abuse, an easy segue into cocaine use. Sadly, a familiar tune, but most of the time it doesn't end in mass murder either. It just seems like murder, 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 a a blood blust that we rarely see in this country. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The fugitive suspect in Canada's worst mass murder spree died in the past few hours after officers named 10 victims stabbed to death last weekend. In an incredible scenario, the famed Royal Canadian Mountain Police had been criticised for their slow response times at the tiny Indigenous Reserve where the killings began and they came under an international spotlight as Miles Sanderson remained at large. Sanderson was finally tracked down last night but went into medical distress after his arrest and died in hospital. Today I'm talking to journalist Brad Hunter of the Toronto Sun about horror in Saskatchewan, about an orgy of violence which has devastated a struggling community and about the background of the killer who evaded police for almost a week. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. I was totally unaware that Saskatchewan was kind of the province where most of the Indigenous people lived until the awful story broke on Sunday. Just explain a bit of that to us and, and what is the James Smith Cree Nation? Okay, uh, Saskatchewan does have a, a lot of, uh, of... Saskatchewan's flat as a pancake. It's very much like the Great Plains in the uh, the United States. You can see for miles and miles and go for miles and miles without seeing a soul. Um, but, uh, and yes, there are a significant amount of Indigenous people in Saskatchewan, and many of them are on these small northern reserves. Um, now, the uh, the reserve, uh, the James Smith Cree Nation, is, oh, I don't know, an hour from the closest sort of town. It has around 1,500 people, and it was part of our, uh, you know, uh, reserve system of, you know, setting this space aside for uh, Indigenous people and whatnot and you know always keeping in mind that the road to hell is often paved with good intentions and you know a lot of these places uh are quite impoverished uh for various and sundry reasons i can be political if you want uh, but uh but uh so there's not a lot going on there and and they make a ready market for for drugs and booze and different things like that i used to i used to go do stories on uh on the james bay coast uh and native reserves up there and and you would be frisked on the way in to making sure you weren't uh bringing booze or uh or uh, drugs into the reserve and, and that was labeled as a dry reserve um you know, a 40 ounce of uh, booze would, uh, you know, go for about 500 bucks. And that's, you know, 
25 years ago. So there's, you know, a lot of those problems, a lot of social problems there. And, uh, and I think, you know, that this may have laid some of the groundwork to what we've seen unfold. And so it borders Montana and North Dakota, which are U.S. states. Is there kind of smuggling going over that border into the area? Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it's quite a ways. Uh, you know, 80 percent of the population of Canada lives within about 50 miles or 100 miles of the U.S. border. So it's like really just a thin strip along the bottom of the country uh and this is this is quite a bit further north from the border but uh but yeah guns drugs and whatnot make their way across the border and and you know along with you know homegrown sort of uh, criminals uh you know uh pushing drugs and uh booze on these uh, reserves uh you know there's there's no shortage and the people similar probably to the indigenous populations in the US and uh, in Australia and the likes might have increased problems with alcohol and drug addiction, lack of education facilities, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a big that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, the, you know, prone to diabetes, like a, the the life expectancy of an indigenous person is, you know, considerably less than a Caucasian in, in, in this country or even foreign-born people who've, who've immigrated here. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the, the traditional diet is a lot different than processed food. In some of these places, it's not like, you know, your fresh supermarket where, you know, everything's come in fresh that morning sort of thing. It's, you know, a lot of it's processed food, which is very bad for uh, diabetes and things like that and heart and, uh, and obesity. And, and they have, uh, uh, you know, our indigenous people have a, a propensity for it. Uh, so, so yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty grim places. If you saw pictures of some of these places, you wouldn't believe you were looking at uh, photos of Canada. Right. And the land is 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 quite fertile, though, or some of it. Certainly, I was just reading south of this river is pretty good for. Well, yeah, they, they provide a huge proportion of the wheat for the world, that uh, area. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of farmers and uh, potash mining and uh you know, natives doing trapping and different things like that. But, you know, they're traditional things, but also they're, they've increasingly moved into uh, the cities of Saskatoon and Regina and, you know, in the other province, Winnipeg and Calgary and Edmonton and whatnot. And uh, oftentimes those people get in trouble as well. The, the incarceration rate for indigenous people is uh, off the charts in this country. Now, you know, a lot of laws have been made to, uh, allowances, if you will, for that sort of thing, uh, to, mm. you know, basically to, to factor that in, but it doesn't seem to have uh, ebbed the tide of uh, incarceration, uh, criminality, and social problems. And Brad, do the indigenous people own the sort of the larger wheat farms, or are they maybe owned by the descendants of colonial French colonials, and that the community? They would be. They would be owned by the descendants of colonists, uh, people who uh, you know, you know, settled there from you know the UK and Ireland and Ukraine and places like that. Mm. 
So the indigenous people are basically they're hired help on these farms if if they're working or whatever. They don't necessarily if they're working or they might be working elsewhere, government, you know, government services, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But but there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of wiggle room yeah. uh, f- for yeah. them there. I mean, it's not like there's you know booming auto factories or things like that. Mm. So we're just setting the scene really of this, you know, of this landscape where this awful crimes have happened. Um, and when you talk about you were going into some of these reserves, are they totally independent? Have they separate governance? Have they separate, you know, do they have their own sort of in uh, reserve police forces or anything like that? Or are they actually governed by in the same way as the rest of Canada? It it sort of, uh, it sort of depends. They're considered sovereign nations, uh, you know, under the yoke of the crown. But, you know, they, they generally follow the rules uh, of the rest of us, but they are their, they're also their own entities. And, uh, you know, they make a lot of their own, you know, the, most of their own decisions and whatnot. But, the, but, you know, I mean, they've also been prey to uh, quote unquote consultants, many of whom are, you know, retired from the Department of Native Affairs and whatnot. And so, I mean, you have issues with water and housing and health. And I mean, you know, you and I could sit here for hours ticking off a laundry list. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a very bad situation, Mm. you know, and not but I should hasten to add that not all. Uh, Native reserves in Canada are like that. The uh, the reserve near where I grew up, uh, it's Mohawk, uh, different people, but they, but it's quite prosperous, you know, largely thanks to there's 64 uh, marijuana dispensaries on the on the reserve, and people come for miles and miles to uh, to uh, to go there, and that's also worked out for them very well socially. Mm. Damien Sanderson and Miles Sanderson, brothers Damien, 31, and Miles, 30, are the focus of this story. What, what happened and wh- wh- when did it break that this, this dreadful mass stabbing had occurred? Uh, this, uh, this broke on Sunday that, uh, you know, that, that, they, that the people had been killed in, uh, you know, James uh, Smith creation and in the tiny town of Weldon that isn't far off. Now, several of the victims were uh, mm. were targeted. Now, there was 10 people killed, 18 injured and 13 crime scenes. And they seem to have been able to move around from house to house over a period of of hours to either target or randomly stab people to death. Um, there seems to be criticism against the police, the, Can- the Canadian Mounted Police who are world renowned, Brad, aren't they? I mean, they're very much well. They're world renowned, but uh, but that's all been tarnished over a number of years. There was another uh, mass shooting in Canada, in Nova Scotia, on the op- on the Atlantic coast, uh, where the guy went around and you know he's a dental therapist or something. I can't remember quite what he was, and he uh, you know he shot twenty people and driving around in a police truck. Cr- a car that he had disguised as a police cruiser and dressed as a Mountie, and the Mounties didn't really hop to it. They didn't raise the alarm or red flags, 
And so it's become a very uh, political organization, whereas, you know, these sorts of things might not have happened in the past, you know, different times, but also because there was more of a focus on their law, the law enforcement piece of their job as opposed to pleasing their political masters. And so the Maoris, and particularly a lot of these uh, crimes, the Maoris had previously been under fire for, uh, we have what over here is called missing indigenous women and girls. And um, we had a big inquiry and all that sort of stuff about it. And a lot of it was that, you know, a huge number of these, you know, these homicides and disappearances were, for lack of a better word, blown off by the Maoris. Oh, they've just left, or oh, they've done this, or they've done that, when in fact they were dead. And, and you know, as a result, uh, that's, you know, created a lot of ill will in, in, I mean, whereas in the United States, which, you know, always often gets the, uh, the label in this country of being more backward than us, uh, they realized they had a significant problem much later than we did. And it was actually under Trump, which is kind of ironic, but, but they had an inquiry there. And so basically out of the gate, they set up a, uh, uh, you know, a task force featuring around task forces around the country that include, you know, tribal police, top city homicide detectives, uh, the FBI and the U.S. Marshals Service. So they're, you know, they're not really fooling around. And and it just seems uh, here that uh, that whole that whole thing was wasted. So are you kind of saying, you're talking about the incident in Nova Scotia and also this incident, are you saying that they've become risk adverse? They don't want to go into live situations? Or that would be a very good description. Right, because a, a lot of police forces in, in Europe are being described as that. They're, they're less and less going, you know, wanting to put their own officers at risk. But at the same time, there seems to be, from what you're saying, a bit of a problem with... Uh, how they're treating victims and whether they're treating indigenous victims in the same way as, as non-indigenous. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, the thing is, is, is if you're looking at your numbers, you know, it's easier to say that someone has, you know, moved away than say that they're the, they're a victim of a homicide. Uh, or, or have been kidnapped or have been sold into human trafficking or sex trafficking or whatever the deal is. So yes, they become, they become quite risk averse. Mm, mm. Uh, and, and I mean, uh, much of that stem, you know, stems right from the top that, you know, you have bureaucrats sort of running the police instead of detectives and police officers. So that, and that creates a massive problem. Mm. So these brothers, um, are they, it's, it's not very clear to see from what I've been trying to read, but I can, I can, I'm assuming they are part of the indigenous population, Damien, Damien and Miles Anderson. Yeah, they are. And, and their background is, is that, uh, to an extent, particularly Miles, who's, you know, at this, 
at this meeting, you know, the surviving brother. But, you know, uh, parents split, difficult upbringing, poverty, physical abuse, uh, you know, uh, 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 an easy segue into cocaine use when he was about, when Miles was about 14. So it's, you know, uh, sadly, um, a familiar tune, but most of the time it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. end in mass murder. Most either. definitely not. And there seem to be both politicians and police seem to be very reluctant to suggest any motives at this stage. And by the way, at this point that we're, we're talking, um, Damien Sanderson has been found dead uh, with visible injuries, suggestion that he may have died at the hands of his brother. Miles is still missing and likely in uh, the main town there, Regina, you're calling it. Um, so they basically have a history of criminality, but, you know, we need to talk a little bit of motive, surely. Is it looking that this started out and the motive was robbery? Or does it look as if they plan to go out and cause this mass devastation? Well, I think I think the earlier targets in this, and there were targets, but uh, but then it just became random. But I think that there was... You know, probably reasons for it, uh, and, and I think you know what the revenge would probably be uh, a bigger motive than robbery uh, mm. at this point. Uh, you know, Miles, the surviving brother, he's thirty. He's you know quite a troubled uh, history. You know, s- severe severe mental issues. Uh, you know, which you know. From a from a report, his parole report, you know, suggested that that had been the result of him being, uh, um, uh, you know, his his addictions, his young addictions and whatnot, and uh, and you know, it's just uh, it's just been ugly. He spent, you know, but he got he still got sprung uh in march again you know you got sprung they said bad boy but go on ahead and i think you know we see this across most of the liberal democracies that there's you know a coterie of social workers that think well you know poor lamb sort of thing and and i i'm not being unsympathetic to the trials and tribulations these people may have endured in their life and whatnot but the thing that doesn't come to mind are the lives of the innocents that they're putting at risk for grand theories taught in third year sociology, Mm. you know? So, um, so Miles was unlawfully at large at the time last Sunday. He was somebody, you know, he's obviously due to be in prison for either serving time or he's on, he's, he's in remand awaiting trial or whatever. We don't know exactly what the details of that crime is, but the earlier victims, the ones you feel were targeted, they would have been associates of these brothers or the brothers perhaps knew these people. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, so maybe it was revenge, you know, could have been any number of, uh, number of things. That, that, would be, that would be my guess. Mm. And then they just kept on killing, uh, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound sort of thing. And, uh, and uh, you know, appears that they're going to, or at least Miles is going to be playing this out to the bitter end, which, you know, will almost certainly uh, end in police bullets or suicide. I mean, a phenomenal amount of people to attack in total, 28. 
um, including a 14-year-old boy, a 77-year-old widower, and there was talk about a mother of two. Um, As they are rampaging around these various crime scenes, leaving people injured or dead in their wake, they eventually make their way through this territory you're describing as almost like prairie land up to this main city, Regina. Is that a big city? Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, not, not huge. I mean, probably, I think maybe about 350, 400,000 or something like that. But the interesting thing is on that, again, once again onto the police, and I hate to uh, beat a horse to death on this, is, is that, you know, my uncle, beloved uncle, God love him, you know, Korean War vet, you know, uh, he'd been in the military and he'd been posted on the prairies at one time. And he said, no, no, we don't have a problem with AWOL because, you know, we just wait for three or four days and pick them up because we can still see them because it's so so clear. So it's not like there's a ton of roads into Regina. It's not like, uh, you know, it just seems like the ball was dropped, like pretty badly, actually. Yeah. And so in other words, when they're kind of making their way up and they have quite a few hours uh, that this has been carried out. What you're saying is the Mounties should have absolutely got themselves, you know, got those roads blocked off completely because there aren't that many of them. It wouldn't have been rocket science to do that. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, in in some instances, in fairness, but I mean, this is kind of like a red ball, you know, mm. all hands on deck sort of thing. In fairness, a lot of, I mean, people who've never been to Canada or spent a lot of time in Canada have no idea how massive it is. It's, 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 you know, it's really, really big. I remember when, you know, editors in London used to call and ask me if I could, uh, you know, drive from uh, Toronto to Vancouver in a couple hours, right? <laughs> and uh, so it, it is very big. And so there's a lot of territory to cover for them, right? And that, you know, that's me mildly defending the Mounties. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have been caught after, after they left the reserve, and were both alive when they entered this town? And did they continue the killing spree there? Do you believe that that started to become more about robbery, perhaps survival, maybe stealing a car or something? I think it flipped to that at that point. And I think, you know, uh, Miles is, uh, to uh, put it mildly, quite a damaged person. And, you know, I think that there's an element of uh, bloodlust in there as well. That 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 you know, they may have been stealing to for gas or money or food or what have you, but I think that the bloodlust component uh, mm. <laughs> was uh, was uh, omnipresent as well. I mean, no doubt this is mass murder on a scale that it's been talked about across the world. What is the distance, or even I'm not great with. Because I live in a city and somebody tells me something is so many kilometers away. I have no clue how long that takes. I just know how long it takes to drive somewhere. So um, bear with me on this. What, how long would it take me to drive from James Smith Cree Nation to Regina? I think I think about 90 minutes to two hours. OK, OK. So they made their way up there. They both entered this this city and at some point clearly Miles has turned on Damien. 
Yeah, it, it looks like it. Maybe Damien didn't want to go around wrong with the ride in the first place, but I think Miles, you know, is a psychopath, mm. uh, a violent, violent, violent psychopath. And I don't think uh, it probably uh, gave him a, a second's trouble to uh, kill his brother. You know, that may come sitting in a jail cell years from now or whatever, but at this juncture, it just doesn't, it just seems like murder, 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 uh, a blood bluff that we rarely see in this country. And was it on this drive from this 90-minute, two-hour drive from James Smith Cree Nation that this happened, or was it in the city? Uh, as far as I can tell, the police are being tight-lipped, mm. but, uh, but as far as I can tell, I believe that he was murdered in Regina. So I, my, my guess is maybe not long after they arrived in it Regina. It seems extraordinary that the population of 400,000 of that, that city are being told to basically lock up your doors and stay in until they find him. Yeah, it's, I, I, I think, I think uh, now... It's one of those things where, you know, the, sh the shift goes from uh, being perhaps a bit cavalier to we're going to have egg on her face. So we're going to go over the top on mm -hmm. this. And it, it, it is, you know, over over the top. But, you know, I mean, it's it's also not that big a place. And, you know, they don't know where he is apparently right now as you know, as we speak. So and he may have he may have slipped out of uh, Regina. I know to go to where I don't know. I mean, they're going to be on alert at the borders. They're going to be you know watching the highways to the other provinces. Where's he going to get gas? You know, it's uh, mm. you know unless he goes on foot, it's not it's going to be difficult for him to get away. Yeah, you would imagine it is only a matter of time before uh, he's either either shot or found dead himself. Now, I suppose it's put the spotlight on. Uh, Canada in a way that is unwelcome, no doubt. But um, your your president has been out condemning it and offering support to the indigenous people. There have been stories that I was totally unaware about of about uh, you know these residential homes where children were forced to go to school because they kind of pretty much wanted to get them to forget about their their culture. Um, and there's been children like mass graves, one of 215 children found, another with 751 children. That's going on in Canada in up to up to the mid 90s. Yeah, it that that uh, that story is a bit uh, a bit overcooked. They they suspect Says Mr. they've not Tabloid. they've not they've not, uh, they've not actually found any bodies. Uh, ah. The the residential schools were a terrible, terrible, terrible thing in this country. The again, the road to hell paved with good intentions and whatnot, but, uh, and, and, you know, that was part of their thing was to pound the, the nativeness, uh, out of these poor, uh, these poor kids. And, you know, if we look at, uh, you know, the diseases of the time, uh, uh, um, you know, tuberculosis and, and and those such things, those places, those sorts of diseases would run rampant mm. through those places. And I know, you know, I've met and interviewed and talked to and friends with a number of residential school survivors. And, and, and you know, it's, it's just horrendous. It's like, you know, uh, uh, an A to Z on child abuse, mm. uh, you know every every sort of uh, sort of stripe, and there's been a reckoning in this country 
you know, on that. And there's, uh, there's been, you know, numerous apologies and there's been reparations and things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's also that, uh, you know, the current government of the day, you know, are particularly keen, um, on spinning a woke narrative as well. So, Mm. you know, that, you know, that has to be uh, watched as well. Well, look, we've had a similar history here ourselves of residential schools and of terrible physical and sexual abuse that was doled out to children um, by the religious orders and, you know, lay people and all the rest of it. And I think that experience has been in a lot of countries. Uh, Canada doesn't stand alone with that. And again, all of this that we speak about uh, doesn't totally explain how one human being can go out one day and, you know, stab and kill 10, injure 18 and then terrorise an entire city as he remains on the run. It's, um, you know, it's all part of the tapestry maybe in his backstory, but uh, it's, it, this is a rarity, this crime. I mean, you don't see this sort of thing. Oh, it's, it's, it's very rare, but you know, as, as you said, uh, you know, on the background and whatnot, that it's, that, you know, you and I know that a left turn here, a right turn there, uh, standing still on that corner for five minutes can get you killed. Just a series of bad decisions Mm. that put you, you know, in in that that spot. And, And, I mean, it's what... What pushed this guy over the edge? I don't know, but it seems like it may have been a long time coming. And and there's been very little back. I mean, his criminal history has been released, uh, large swaths of it. But, you know, as far as his, you know, just glazes over the personal, what, you know, what, were the the pieces of the puzzle that put together, you know, this person who, for all intents and purposes, we would consider a monster at this. Uh, mm. And it'll be interesting to see if the media react, you know, in a way that they they will actually put together the pieces of that jigsaw and that they will be bothered enough to go back and to look at his background and to see what caused this and maybe what built up to it. Or will the, the media as well as the police perhaps and the government and others look away because it's an indigenous person and who cares well that's that's a, a, another problem in uh, in in the country is is that there's a distinct lack of honesty about about the situation as well you know and uh, you know it's not you know we can say there does some with some people you know most almost always there is, but with some people, there's just no answers. They're 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 a horrendous person, and uh, I I don't know whether this is the case with this guy or whether he's just a damaged little boy, or a severely damaged beyond repair little boy who is has finally snapped, and that's the thing you know we don't know. But I would be I would be very concerned. If you know any inquiry or any discussion on this takes that politically correct turn, where his background excuses these heinous crimes, mm. and uh, 
you know, I just don't think you can do that because, you know, there the world is sadly filled with broken people, and if all of them picked up a gun or a knife, I mean, we would be dealing with carnage from the minute we stepped out of our house till the minute you know we tucked our head very uneasily down on the pillow at night. Mm. So most people, most don't go that way. So this guy, maybe he was just bad. And just finally, I want to ask you something about the weaponry, the knives. So this is part of this area's hunting land and, you know, knives are probably used um, and are in supply. Are guns legal here in Saskatchewan or do they have, is this hunting? They would be, they would be uh, hunting rifles and things like that. That's, that's, that's particularly for a lot of, uh, native people who are living on the reserve predictory, a remote reserve like this, you know, the hunting, you know, for goose or moose or what, what, what have you is, and trapping and whatnot is, you know, part of their culture, as is having a rifle, you know, if you're wandering in the bush for protection, uh, which, you know, is, is kind of like the weird thing that it wasn't a gun, that it was a knife. But yes, knives would be, knives of that nature would be readily available from your friendly neighborhood Hudson's Bay store. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, um, it looks like this is obviously still an ongoing story as we speak and the hunt for Miles Sanderson continues. Um, And it may take some time really for this story to properly emerge and the reasons behind this uh, mass murder, which is um, no doubt still top of the news across Canada. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, number number one. Brad Hunter, thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. Take care of yourself. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.